The Leaderpreneur Show, Episode 25, Encouraging Losing Teams and Behind the Scenes. Let's go. Welcome back, my friends, to The Leaderpreneur Show the podcast for leaders to deepen their knowledge while exploring an entrepreneurial journey of their own. If you like the show, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by going to leaderpreneurshow.com and smashing that subscribe button. You can subscribe on any of the podcast directories out there. So just pick the one that works best for you. And we'd be honored to have you as a regular listener. Today, as always, I'm joined by my great friend, my co-host, my partner in crime. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. He's Michael Tanner. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week, my friend? Man, Stephen, I'm having a great week. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, Nice weekend here. Finally, the rain has left Phoenix, Arizona, and looking forward to some sunny weather and uh, just looking forward to another great conversation about leadership. What's on tap today? Well, today we're going to talk about encouraging losing teams. So uh, as a leader, you're leading a team and, uh, you know, you're going after a goal of some sort. And at the moment, you are losing. You're not on track. You're not on pace to achieve that goal. Or, or maybe you're really close to the deadline or whatever it is, but you just kind of re- recognize that at the moment, we're not winning. We're losing as a team. And so I just want to talk to you about, you know, as we serve as a leader for that team, what do we need to do? How do we manage that so that we can continue to encourage and motivate that team? We're not going to just give up but we're going to encourage and motivate that team to, uh, if you will, come out in the second half and uh, and achieve the goal that we're going after. So how about that? Are we encouraging losing teams today? Yeah, it uh, sounds like a great, great leadership topic. And, um, you know, no one likes to lose. And we're going to figure out and unpack that and make sure that we're on a on a track towards winning again. So let's, let's go ahead and dig in. All right. So as we dig into this, it's impossible for me not to use the basketball analogy. And especially for our listeners that are going to miss March Madness as much as I am, uh, then I just feel the need to talk about basketball. If I can't watch it, at least I can talk about it a little bit. And so as as we walk through these steps, I'll tend to use the analogy of a basketball coach um, that's looking at the scoreboard and you're losing for the moment. And if you consider halftime of a basketball game. The coach goes in with the team and at halftime, if they're losing, then it's really, really important. The coach goes through these steps so that they can come back back out of the locker room for the second half of the basketball team uh, or basketball game and then turn it around and start to win again. So let's go through a few steps. I've got uh, five steps here that we're going to talk through around encouraging a losing team. And the first one is just this need for the leader to acknowledge the current situation or acknowledge the current reality. You know, maybe you see it. I see it from time to time where a leader wants to, he doesn't ignore the reality that they're losing, but he doesn't necessarily want to talk about it. He almost behaves as if, well, if nobody mentions the fact that we're losing, maybe no one will notice. And that's just not the case. I mean, your team 
knows whether or not you're winning or losing. I mean, obviously, if you think about a basketball game, uh, the scoreboard is right there flashing in front of everybody. And so it's really easy to know, am I winning or am I losing? But even if there's not a scoreboard, your team members, they recognize, they know whether or not we're on track to win or not. And by not acknowledging that, you're going to begin to lose credibility as a leader. If you're not willing to acknowledge it and talk about the fact that at the moment we're not winning, then you're going to lose credibility such that you're going to really, really struggle to follow the remaining steps we're going to talk about and actually turn this thing around and encourage these team members. So the first thing you got to do is just acknowledge the current reality with the team. Yeah, it's so important and it's so basic, but it's, it's something that people can often overlook. And if, as in basketball, as your analogy is, look at the scoreboard. Who are you fooling, right? It's, you could pretend, you could pretend that you're not losing. You could uh, uh, try to put a happy face on everything. But the reality is, look up, look at the scoreboard. You're not fooling anyone. As, as in basketball, as in business, as in life, uh, everyone knows on your team how things are going. And, and, they know much better than you do, actually, because they are living it in the trenches where you as a leader might be living it on another level or in a, in a different way or from a different perspective. Those folks, whether it's one person that you have on your team or 50 people, they know better than anyone exactly how the team is performing, exactly, uh, in many cases, the causes uh, they can help you understand it if you don't. So your your point of acknowledging the reality of the the win or the loss is important because it's kind of like any any uh, you know seven step program, right? You've got to acknowledge the reality of things. If you're gonna if you're gonna begin to fix things, you've got to recognize where you currently are. Only then are you going to be able to to uh, identify uh, the issues, unpack it, and begin a path towards changing it. So acknowledgement, very important. And uh, all of our listeners should just recognize that it's, it's, not, it's not poor leadership to acknowledge a failure. It's not poor leadership to say, we are not winning to the level we should. Failure is an event. It's not a person, as my good mentor back in the day, Zig Ziglar, would say. Uh, it's an event. It's not a person. If it's an event, you can fix it. And then we're going to go through those steps here in just a few minutes. So um, great point on the acknowledgement. Yeah. And, you know, just to elaborate on that a little bit and also, you know, some things that you mentioned there. Um, as a leader, you've got to acknowledge the reality, uh, the current situation, uh, but you can't well, you can't ignore it, but you also shouldn't kind of candy coat it or kind of soften it or, or, you know, kind of go around it. I mean, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta face the reality just head on. Uh, you know, so again, if you think about a basketball team and a coach and they, they go into halftime and let's say they're down by 30 and the coach just kind of soft pedals that and he says, yeah, Hey guys, we're, we're losing here, but everything. Well, no, the coach has got to go. Hey guys, we're down by 30 we got to make some changes, right? So you got to, you got to just be upfront. You got to be honest with the current situation, with the reality. Um, but also there's an aspect here of uh, feelings and emotions and things like that. We talked about it last weekend in conflict resolution. Uh, 
But it's important too, if you want to encourage this team and kind of turn it around while you're acknowledging the current situation, I think it's important to kind of also recognize the the feelings and emotions that the team members might have as well. You know, hey guys, I know you guys are probably discouraged right now, or or I know you, you know, you're feeling frustrated right now because we're not making the progress we should, or right. So that acknowledging the current situation can't soften it. You know, don't be afraid to acknowledge the emotions and the feelings about it as well. Um, and don't be afraid to talk about it with your team. So it's it's kind of all of that. Acknowledging the current situation is all of that. But then the second step that you're going to do, once you're acknowledging uh, the current situation, the second step that you want to do, well, let me, let, me, um, let me first table this second step with saying what you definitely don't want to do. You do not want to place blame on your team or team members for the current situation, right? You're not getting together and acknowledging the current situation so that you can place blame on someone, right? So what you have to do in step number two here, as the leader, you have to own the current situation and the result that you want to turn around, turn this thing around to, right? So you got to own this thing. You got to own the results of this. Uh, the, the, the worst thing you can do in a situation like this is blame either the team members or blame some outside influence, right? Uh, again, think about a basketball coach. Uh, how encouraging and motivated would that team be if the basketball coach got into halftime and said, hey, guys, we're down by 30, but it's their fault. They're just too good. They're just, you know, they're just working harder than us or they're just doing better than us or they're executing better. Well, if you're going to blame it on those that other team, that's not encouraging. That's not motivating to this team at all. And so, in business, if you if you're going to blame it on a lot of outside entities or influences or something like that, then that's not going to motivate or encourage your team either. You've got to own the result here that you're going after. Uh, there's a great book out there that I love. It's written by Jocko Willink and Leif Babbitt. Uh, Babin. Um, it's called Extreme Ownership. And it talks about as a as a leader, no matter what the problem is in the team, you have to own it, right? You've got to own the leader the, the the problem so that you can then, you know, encourage the team, motivate the team, and direct the team to solve that problem. And so, in step number two here of encouraging a loser losing team, that's exactly what you're doing. Hey guys, we're down by thirty. We got two more quarters to go. This is on me. I just didn't coach you guys well enough in that in that press break and, and things like that, but here's what we're going to do. I'm right. So you're owning it as the coach, as the leader, you're owning the result and you're going to make some changes. So that's step number two own the results. What's your thoughts there, Stephen? Yeah, I agree that, you know, as a leader, and we've talked about this, I believe in, in prior, a prior episode or two, but uh, put that ownership on me as a leader and I'll take uh, whether we call it blame or what, whatever word you want to use for it. Uh, that's fine. But when things don't go as advertised, let's say we have a 10 person team. Uh, I want to take that on me because I don't want that pressure. A, as a leader, we sign up for that, right? That's my view. We sign up for the good, the bad, the ugly. And sometimes things don't go as advertised. Um, as leaders, we have to make decisions. Sometimes those decisions don't pan out and the team doesn't achieve the success we would have hoped. But as a leader, you've got to take that on your shoulders. I take that on my shoulders and I make sure that I don't apply even further pressure to the team of 10 in this case, 
by trying to assign blame. And we've all either worked for leaders or have seen leaders who are quick to be Teflon. It's like, nope, it's not me. It's not me. It's, uh, you know, uh, Johnny over there didn't do his job. You know, I told Johnny to do that and he didn't do it. Or, you know, Susie over there, uh, she didn't listen. I gave her a five-step process. She only did two steps. That's why we're failing. Those are not leaders, right? They may have a role or a title or a paycheck that says leader, but they are not leaders. People are not going to follow them when times get even tougher. And when times uh, go well, uh, I I think people will be looking to leave their team and to go to another team where they can flourish. So this this notion of ownership as a leader, our listeners, I just want to think want you to think about this. Leaders take responsibility. Leaders put ownership and accountability on their own shoulders and protect and insulate their team, not from the message that that we have not won or we have failed, but where there is blame or there is people pointing fingers, have all that inward towards you. That will give your team kind of this breathing room to kind of regroup. And now we'll get our new game plan together. And now we'll go forward in a different way. And then when you start to win, you share all that with your team and you take that ownership of when things don't go well. That to me is the is a hallmark and an indicator of a great leader. Does it mean it's always fair? It doesn't mean it always should be that way. But welcome to life as a leader. You get the good, you get the bad, you get the ugly, but that's that's what this career is about. It's about stepping up and doing things others either aren't willing, aren't able, or choose not to do. And that would be my recommendation regarding number two about owning the result. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important that you are explicit with this ownership, that you that you actually say, hey, hey this is on many guys, uh, because we're going to talk about a, a couple of the next couple of steps where we're going to make some adjustments. And in making these adjustments, you're going to need to kind of ask team members to do some things differently. And if you haven't explicitly said, Hey, the fact that we're losing is on me. When you get to, if if you step over that step and you get to these next steps where you're asking people to do things differently, it may, you run the risk of it starts to feel like you're blaming those individuals or, or, or those team members, right? You're asking them to do something new, oh, well, it must be because I was doing something bad before. If you haven't first explicitly said, hey, guys, we're not winning right now, and that's on me, all right? that Understand, that's on me. I take responsibility for that. You know, we just have I haven't been able to, to lead you guys well or coach you guys well or get you through this or get you through that. And then you can move to these other steps. But if you skip over that ownership, then the adjustments that you're going to look to make in the next couple of steps starts to feel like blame. Uh, And so that's why it's really, really important that you just, you know, as Steven said, just right out of the gate, just take ownership of it, take responsibility for it. You signed up for it uh, when you became a leader. Now, step number three, you're going to do. So after taking ownership, step number three that I think is really, really important is you need to refocus on what is the goal. Okay. So at the moment, your team, their mind is all wrapped around uh, losing and what are they doing wrong and why can't they win? And, and they're probably replaying a lot of activities 
from the past and right. And so their mind is kind of trapped into that, the, the, the mistakes or the failures of the past. And at this moment, what you need to do is really, really refocus this team on what is the goal. Uh, and again, I'll go back to the basketball analogy just because it's such a simple one. Well, everybody knows what the goal is. The goal is to score more points than your opponent by the end of the game. And so, uh, you know, it's important for a coach here at halftime to just refocus the team on that. Forget about the first half. The first half is over. We can't do anything about the first half now. Now, here in the second half, what we need to do is we need to score 31 more points than they do, right? We're down by 30. So we need to score at least 31 more points than they do in this second half. So that's a, a refocus on the goal, right? Uh, and, and notice how the goal changed a little bit there between the beginning of the game and now the beginning of the second half. Now the goal is 31 points more, not just one point more, it's 31 points more because of the current situation. And so it's just really, really important to kind of forget about the past and refocus on the goal that the team is after in this second half, if you will. Yeah. When I, when I think about number three here about this refocusing on the goal, it it's this next goal. It's, it's getting the team framed up to look ahead, not dwell on the failure of the past. And it, it sounds simple, and, and it really is if you do it the right way, but you, you've got to face the next challenge. And to your analogy of 31 points, now, when you start the game and it's 0-0, zero, zero, you just got to kind of play even and score one more, but you come in second half, you're down 30, you go back out, and now it's 31. So what's that mean? That means you have a much bigger gap because you have to stop losing, right? Stop the bleeding. You have to have this adjustment in your game plan, which we'll talk about. But then you've got to really uh, recognize that to get not only one point ahead, but to make up this 30 point gap, you may have to take some risks that you wouldn't have taken walking into the start of the game. Right. So you would think of it in terms of, of um, if you're a team of 10 and, and you fell short on a, on one of your projects that you're working on as an engineer and, and you missed, uh, let's say two key milestones and the next one's coming up in, in three months. And now you're, you have to hit that one, but you're already behind on these two others that should have already occurred. You've got to, you've got to do something differently. Think about that next thing ahead. You're not going to get to that milestone that's due three months from now by tomorrow, you've got to start cleaning up the, the prior setbacks that you've had, figure out a way to catch up and then figure out a way to get back in the game and then figure out a way to get to that milestone so you can get back on track. And that's going to take, take some different thinking, different team dynamics, different, maybe risk assessments and things that you're more willing to take risks on and maybe take a, a little bit more of a Hail Mary on that you wouldn't have earlier. But that's what it's about. It's it's this it's this notion of we are where we are. How we got here is is really just it's just information and facts at this point. But where we where we are today and where we got to go tomorrow could and will change the way we think about these next 
uh, targets, goals, tasks, fill in the blank. And it's going to make us think and shift differently. That's where leadership plays such an important role for everyone out there that that's in these leadership roles. This is where you will be looked at as, hey, what are we going to do? I need, I need you to help lead us there. Your team will be looking to you for, for help and guidance and advice. And, and this is a big opportunity for you to demonstrate what you're capable of to your team, build confidence, build credibility, and start showing again, what winning looks like. So um, from a, from a, just that refocus on the next goal, uh, those are some key things that I think about as, as a leader and what I think other leaders should be considering. And then as we get into step four here, we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit further. Yeah. So, I mean, very good point in, in there that as you refocus on the goal, it it's going to potentially become really, really evident that your goal has changed, which means you've got to change. You've got to do something different, right? Um, as you, you know, as we both talked about, when you start the game, it's zero, zero. And so all I got to do is score one more point than, than the opponent. But now in, in half the time, I've got to score 31 more points than my opponent. Well, clearly in the second half, I've got to do something different. And to your point, which is very, very well made, you may take more risk in this second half than, than you would have ever planned to take. But because of the current situation, because of now the refocus on the, the new goal, you recognize we've got to do some things differently. And so that leads us into step number four is you've got to identify and properly communicate the adjustments that you're going to make. Right? You've got to communicate the adjustments. And you want to do this with as much detail as you possibly can. Because detail is what's going to help to overcome the, the, the mental, the brain fog from the losing and all that. So if you can really get into some detail, that starts to clear up that fog of losing um, and so forth. So you want to be as detailed as possible. You want to be based in reality. You want to make adjustments that need to be made. Don't just make adjustments for the sake of making adjustments. You're, the adjustments that you're going to communicate to your team, they need to be based on reality. You know, if, um, and I may get too deep in the woods with basketball with our listeners here, but but bear with me. If in the first half uh, we were losing by 30 because the other team had an incredible full court press defense and we just couldn't break it. Well, it's not going to do me any good to come in as a coach at halftime and say, all right, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to clamp down on our defense. We're going to do better on our defense. That adjustment is irrelevant. It's useless. I'd better make an adjustment to overcome that full court press defense that they have, right? So my adjustment, it has to be based in reality. Uh, it has to be, uh, you know, done with some, some level of detail. And we need to communicate, as always, with good communication. We've got to communicate why this adjustment was chosen, okay? So we're going to make some adjustments. We're going to make those adjustments uh, based on reality. We're going to make, uh, we're going to give detail to those adjustments, and then we're going to elaborate on here's why we've chosen to do these adjustments, right? And so again, uh, again, the basketball analogy, then I would draw up on the board and I'd, I'd put a guy in the center of the court and I'd put two guys on the wing and I would describe for the, for the, uh, for the players, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw it to the wing and that'll free up the guy in the middle. We're going to throw it to the middle and then we've broken the press. And so you see the details. 
You see that it's based on reality because that's why we're losing. They're killing us with this full court press. But then here's why I'm making this adjustment and they can actually see on the whiteboard how this thing might work. Right? And so you've just got to identify and communicate those adjustments that you're going to make. Because as, as we just talked about, we've got to do something different here in order to win. It, and not only to stop the full court press in the basketball analogy, you, that's stopping the bleeding, right? So when I, when I think about, about uh, you know, how we're going to get to these milestones down the road, uh, we got to figure out a way to catch up to the ones we've already missed. So in this basketball analogy, stop the full court press. That's going to slow up the rate at which uh, they're scoring, and then you have to do something a little different or more special on offense so you can accelerate your scoring. So you have to slow down theirs. So I, I equate that to, to, okay, let's figure out a way to catch up on these milestones that we've missed. And now we've got to turn into a different offensive team to be able to, to score at a, at a faster pace because we've got 30 points to make up, man. And if we're going to get to that milestone that's three months from now, you know, stopping the bleeding, hit the two that we've missed. Now we've got to go on offense and at a little more of an aggressive pace. Hence, how much more risk are we going to take? How are we going to make decisions differently? That's going to allow us to score when more uh, quickly and get back on track. So also when I think about when I think about this adjustments, I think about the communication piece you mentioned. Not only do you have to be clear and detailed, I believe you also have to have more frequency in the communication because, because people are outside now because we've had this period of time where we've been losing a bit. Now we're out outside of our, our comfort zone, even to a greater extent than we normally would be. So we need the clarity. We need the detail. We need the game plan. We need to know and feel and understand how we're going to get caught up, get back on track, start to win again. And that's going to require a more frequent level of this communication. It doesn't mean it needs to be um, different in a, a, a huge way, but it needs to be it needs to be regular, consistent and make sure people recognize that are we making progress? Are we clawing back towards what we believe winning is? Are we getting back on schedule? Are we closing the gap to these 30 points? Are we now coming out of the third period and we're only 15 points behind? It's like, okay, guys, ladies, whoever's on your team, we are on track to now in this process we are on pace to get caught back up. So let's stay the course. Let's make a few more tweaks and adjustments. Let's make sure we're clear. We have those details you mentioned. And let's keep pressing and keep aggressive so we can get caught back up as a team. So um, when it comes to adjustments, I, I, think, I think you're right. Detailed, clarity, frequency of communication, uh, demonstrating what that looks and feels like with the team, and then Let's make sure that we all see and recognize that we're making this progress. And that's going to motivate and incentivize the team because everyone wants to win. No one wants to lose. And it becomes infectious. And teams will, will look at this like, wow, we're really making a difference here. And you look back at 
the failure that happened and you've, you learned something from it, right? You're not sitting back going, uh, you know, we have no idea what happened here. We just got to work harder, run faster. Maybe some of that's true, but you've really got to understand what caused it, learn from it. You made the adjustments. We're getting more detailed. We have more clarity. We know what the game plan needs to, to look like going forward to close the gap. And now we have a chance. Now we have a chance to win. And that's really what it's about. You get the team feeling like they have that that momentum and that opportunity to win. And then uh, life is looking a lot better than it did just, uh, you know, a few minutes prior. Yeah, you know, you make a really, really good point there, Stephen, about the frequency of the communication. Uh, because at this point, it is important through through the duration of, of your goal that you have more frequent communication. And, you know, if I think about my basketball analogy, depending on at what level you're playing basketball, a coach has, say, five timeouts in a full game. And if you just look at, especially uh, the team that is on the losing side of, of the game for the most part, um, of those five timeouts, he will call one, maybe two in the first half. And then he'll call all the rest of his timeouts in the second half. And that's because, again, you come into halftime, you make this adjustment. And, and again, you've, you've made some adjustments. As a part of this, you're probably doing some things that you've never done before. You're taking more risk, as we talked about. And then in the second half, it's even more important now that I use those timeouts to gather everybody together. All right, all right, let, let's, let's refocus, let's regroup, let's do these things again. So that frequency of communication is really, really important. And you see that play out even in a basketball game with, with timeouts. And, and that leads us into the, to our fifth step here, which is super, super important. And in, in the basketball analogy holds very, very well to it. You as the leader, you now have to share in the challenge to go back out into the game and win, right? And if you think about a basketball coach, at, at the end of halftime, he doesn't just sit in the locker room and send the team out there and say, good luck, guys, off you go. No, he goes right back out there, gets right on the on the sidelines. And believe me, I've been a coach myself and I've been a part of plenty of coaches. If they could get on the court, they would. Um, but you as the leader, you got to get in the game here with them. You know, I use the, the word shared in my definition of leadership, and, and I say that it's shared in the sense that we are in this together, okay? So, all right, guys, we're going to go back out there for the second half. We're down by 30, but we've made our adjustments. We've got our game plan. I'm in this with you. We are in this together. You can't at all leave your team feeling like you're just kind of sending them into battle and say, you know, good luck. I hope this works out for you. Your team has to know that you are in this with them. And I've shared this strategy before. I use it a lot, but I use it a lot because I'm just a really, really competitive guy. I'm just that's my nature. I love to compete, no matter what it is. And so I like to I like to make it a a competition. I like to make it a, a challenge to the team. And I'll say something like, "I challenge you to be more committed to this than I am, because right? I'm I'm going to be as committed to this as I possibly can. I'm going to do." everything I can to help this team then win, right? We've, we've, we came together, we acknowledged the reality. I took ownership. We refocused on a goal. We made some adjustments and now we're going back out there and you as the team need to know that me, yes, even though I'm the leader, I'm in this just as much as you are. And I'm, I'm more committed to it. 
than you are. So your team has to know that, that you're not just kind of sending them out there and wishing them luck. You're in this with them. You're in the trenches with them. You've got to convey that to your team. Yeah, it's absolutely right. It's you can do all the other things well, but if you try to be an armchair quarterback, if you try to lead from an office, lead from a cubicle, do as I tell you, don't do as I do. Uh, you, you, it's you know, do what I do, do as I say. You're going to have a very limited shelf life as a leader, and chances are no one's no one's going to buy into what you're selling. You could have the best game plan in the world. You could have the X's and O's down perfectly. You could have everything perfectly aligned for re-entry into the atmosphere and you will skip off and go off into space because you you have not demonstrated your willingness to roll your roll your sleeves up even even proverbially because in my situation I can't run the machines that a lot of my my teammates and team members do but what I can do as a leader is if we're behind and, and we need to manufacture a few more pieces or we need to get back on track to a delivery schedule where we've fallen off, I can't run the machine. But you know what I can do is I can articulate, communicate that detail, and I can go stand next to those folks and encourage them and demonstrate that I care as much as they do. And you can't fake that because they will pick up on that. Your team will pick up on that in a second. If you don't have genuine intellectual curiosity about what your team is doing, you should go find a new team. You should go find a new line of work. And sometimes as a leader, you become in charge of teams that you may not have a background in. It is your duty and responsibility to engage, to learn, to uh, demonstrate your care and and uh, passion uh, for this. It, it comes over time, but you have to. You can't fake it. You have to be in the game. You have to show and demonstrate that you're there uh, in spirit and physical presence. Even if you can't physically do what they can do, like if you're a basketball coach, you know if you're a uh, a five foot eight inch basketball coach. It has a mind like an abacus. You can put the, you can put the plan together and you want to be on that court. But I can tell you as a five foot, eight inch, you know, uh, let's just say 50 year old coach, you're not going to go out there and keep up with these six foot eight, uh, 26 year old guys who are just going to smoke you. You just can't physically do it. But you know what? You can be on the sideline. You can be cheering them on. You can have those timeouts. You can huddle the team. You can talk about what needs to happen next. You can demonstrate full engagement into the process, even though you're not going to get your hands on the ball at all. You can't fake it. It will come across very clearly to your team. And if you do, if you do it well, then that demonstration of leadership and passion coupled with a game plan that makes sense and is sound will lead you to a win more times than a loss. It's not always going to work out perfectly. That is life. 
but you're going to put yourself and your team in a position to compete, be successful, learn from mistakes and failures, and be uh, a lot better than you would otherwise be. And that that I can tell you from experience and um, just making a lot of mistakes in my career as well and just learning from them and becoming a better leader over time. And that's what I would say to our listeners. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Uh, pick yourself up, dust yourself up off, learn from it and move on to the next challenge because you sit back and you think too long and too hard about what didn't go right. You'll never uh, put yourself in a position to think about what's next and make the adjustments and get the team rallied uh, for that next win. So uh, that's a good five-step process. I really liked um, the way you laid that out, Michael, and I think that's going to help our our listeners quite a bit. Yeah, you know, I I think it's important to note that we didn't just give you a five-step plan to turn it around and guarantee win or guarantee a success. Our focus today in this podcast was how do you encourage and motivate that team, right? And you've just done that in these five steps. Now you go back out there, you may still end up losing the game. If you will, if, if we stick to the basketball analogy, you may still end up losing the game. Uh, And and what you're going to do is you're going to come back at the end of that game and you're going to go through these five steps again to encourage that team to get back out on the court, get the practice in again and get ready for the next game and so forth. And so, yeah, this is not a formula for always winning. I'm not aware of a formula out there that means always winning, but this is definitely a formula for you to follow as it relates to motivating and encouraging your team, especially when they're facing times where at the moment they're not winning. But uh, with that motivation and encouragement, they can turn it around and they can, they can win. So, there, there's your encouraging and motivating formula for your losing team. How about we, uh, how about we jump behind the scenes there, Stephen, for uh, for our businesses and what we're doing? What do you think? Oh, I love it. Let's do it, man. Great, great five five steps there. Good conversation. Now the next phase, next segment of the show is behind the scenes. You want me to start? Or you want to start? What do you think? You go ahead, man. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So I have a I have a. Uh, a, uh, a special announcement for everybody out there in case you didn't know Michael really likes basketball. Okay. So, <laughs> and I'm bummed. I'm so bummed that March madness has been canceled. You just don't, <laughs> you've never met an analogy that <laughs> didn't fit with basketball. So, uh, right. that's good. I like it. I'm not a basketball guy, but I'm becoming one. I'm, I'm learning things. I didn't know there were five timeouts. I don't know if that's true or not, but, uh, well, not at every level, but okay. At levels. All right, so I'm learning something. Um, so for me, a couple things I've done this this last last week um, since since we spoke spoken last is I've read the book by Russell Brunson, Expert Secrets. If you haven't read that, and you're a a digital uh, creator of some sort, course creator, I highly recommend that book. Uh, it's it's very helpful. Uh, very insightful about um, funnels and, you know, stacking your offer and all these things. So I've, I've learned a lot about that and, and I'm, I'm adjusting some of the things that I'm doing around courses based on that feedback. Uh, so I'd highly recommend that. Um, I'm also one of the things that, that he mentions in that book that I'm thinking about, I've been thinking about this, but he by mentioning it, it made me think about it again. It's so I'm doing this course about managing your boss. I don't know what I'm going to call it. Managing up, managing your boss, something like that. But, um, I have the course pretty much framed out and, and nearly done. 
what what I think I'm going to do, maybe you can give me some feedback on this, Michael, is I, I on my email list, I have 150 people or so. I'm going to email out a broadcast email and and ask people, um, say, hey, I'm going to be, you know, at some point here in the near future, I'm going to be releasing a course on this topic. And um, I'm going to give everyone that responds, uh, you know, free access. I'll give you a coupon, blah, blah, blah. You'll get free access, lifetime access to the course. I'm looking for one specific thing that you uh, want to know or would like to learn about managing up or managing your boss. So I'm thinking 150 people, if I can get 10 10 responses of, of things that maybe I get two things that I hadn't already thought of that I could turn into a lesson or a module or something. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that and just seeing what happens. What do you think about that? No, I think that's a great idea, Stephen. It sounds a lot like, you know, I, um, as I was building out the, uh, the community, mm -hmm. uh, one of the recommendations that I received from Mighty Networks was to uh, host some interviews That's with right. what I considered to be my ideal community members. And, and that was for the sake of, uh, you know, kind of getting input from them related to what would you want to see in a community, right? What on an, in an online community, what would, what would keep you engaged and keep you coming back? And, and so I conducted several of those. Yeah. That went, went really well for you too, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that input was invaluable. And I don't see any reason why you couldn't do the exact same thing with, with a course like this. You know, you, you're putting out the topic, right? For me, I put out the topic of an online course support, or I'm sorry, an online community supporting leadership development. Right? You're going to put out the topic of a course, an online course for managing up or leading up in the organizational chart. And then you're going to ask for people, hey, if this is a topic of interest to you and you'd be willing to answer some questions or, or get online with me, or, or maybe it's just a form that you want to fill out. What you get from that, uh, I think will be invaluable to uh, putting good content that people want in the course. You know, that's one of the challenges for us is right. we've, we've got all these ideas of the great content that we want to put into a course, but we don't necessarily know if it's what everybody else wants in the course or not. And um, what better way to figure that out than to ask them? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, um, you know, honestly, I just haven't looked at the world through that lens. And I think that's a failure on my part where, um, you know, I, I have the experience, I have the background, I've lived through these scenarios and situations. So in my mind at times, I'm like, well, of course, these are the things people would want to know. And I, I have that, like me, I look through a lens, everybody looks through a lens. And I have to open up my my blinders a little bit more and consider uh, those elements because I think it it could end up with a much more viable product course that's not so much me as it is me teaching and helping others with things that they've said they want help with. And uh, that's just something I got to get better at. And um, I'm, I'm intent on doing that. And I think, you know, one of the benefits of this as well is if I can get there's all kinds of ways I can do it. I can put a landing page up with a comments field. I can direct people to there, put a comment in. I can have them tagged. I can do, do whatever. That's the logistics easy part. But if I, if, if I get, let's say 10, 15 things that come back that I can, then, you know, go, wow, there's a bucket of these and a bucket of those. I can, I can then use that to kind of form and help me 
get into the right zone of information for people, uh, I think that'd be helpful. And then by offering them uh, an ability to take kind of as this beta group, uh, uh, take the course for free and then uh, ask them for a testimonial, right? Ask some of these folks for a testimonial. It could serve, it could help me form the course a little bit tighter. It could give me an opportunity to get some beta users to give me feedback. I can make adjustments if need be at that point uh, and potentially get a few testimonials I think could could help with uh, an actual launch down the road that would be much more uh, opportunistic to be successful. It doesn't guarantee anything. It just guarantees that I'm maybe a little closer to uh, uh, selling one or two uh, courses there. So anyway, that's that's great feedback. I, I I forgot that you've done that with your community because you did the you did these calls and right. and I, I you know I thought that was very insightful the way that um, you had you had mentioned that in the past on some of the outcomes that you've um, that you've got. So anyway, that's that's some of the stuff I'm working on. What about you, my friend? Yeah. So uh, I, I think this week for me. Um, you know, on top of the the standard, you know, engagement in the the community and creating leadership development content and things like that, probably the one thing that I've uh, gone back to or, or added uh, to my list of activities this week is uh, is coaching sessions. Um, so I had a uh, earlier this week I had a, a, a complimentary coaching session uh, with a young man and and just uh, you know it, it was really good to to kind of get back to that with, especially with somebody new and, and you know, again, I, one of the things I shared with him and you know, this full well, Stephen, is we get behind these microphones and we get behind these cameras and, and we, you know, just put out leadership content out there. And, and then we hope people are going to listen to it and, and it's going to change their life in some way and, and so forth. But it's really, really nice to, to actually get on the phone with somebody or, or, or get on to zoom call, uh, which was our case. Uh, with somebody and and just have a discussion with them and see how you know the things that you're doing is impacting them in a positive way, but then also really uncovering ways that you can help them, you know, in a much more you know deep way than you can one on one than you can in a in a podcast episode, for instance, or something like that. Right. So it was just it was good to kind of get back to that. I've been so busy with community and building out content and and things like that. It was good to to add to uh, the list of, of uh, coaching there to a, a new person that I had some time to spend 90 minutes with him. And, and, uh, and it was really good. Well, that's a good, that's a good amount of time, 90 minutes. minutes. Yeah. It was good to get back to that. And, so, and uh, what was your, I mean, what was kind of a takeaway um, as much as you could share uh, from this? Is there, is there an area that this person you, you can specifically help him with? Is there, or was it more just of a conversation or what? Yeah, no, it, it was a really good conversation around, and it was really encouraging to me too, because I, I really felt like um, he, he's, a, he's probably a lot further along in terms of leadership than, than he thinks he is, than he believes he is, right? He, he has uh, career goals that are way out there. I mean, it's going to take years for him to get there. And as you know, as well as I do, a lot of times people, they can't envision that far out. Um, but he's already seeing that far out and he sees some milestones along the way as well to get there. And so he's got some pretty good vision on where he wants his career to be years from now. And, and so we, we talked a lot about that. And again, I, you know, I just kind of shared with him that, Hey, I think you're, 
think you're further along maybe than you're giving yourself credit for. Uh, and then where we kind of ended up with, uh, you know, he, he needs to bring some more definition around some of the more shorter term goals, uh, you know, or, or steps to, to get there. Right. And so while he's got this, this, you know, this vision that's years away and he's got a few steps along the way to get there, it's the details in taking the next few steps. Uh, and, and, you know, if we continue uh, a coaching relationship with him, I, I think that's where our focus will be. What are the next few steps and the details and, and, and the ways to accomplish those next few goals? I think that's where we'll land. And, and it's, it's interesting though, how, how a lot of times people just need uh, some encouragement they need a perspective that's outside of their family, that's outside of their circle of close friends. Uh, it's somebody who's walked in those shoes that can give them a, a, an absolute independent third party view of, of what's going on. And they're not they're not looking through this lens that I talked about before. It's it's everybody I'm convinced as a leader, I'm convinced that everyone needs a coach. Um, and my, I'm convinced that everyone needs a paid coach because, because when you pay for something, you spend a much greater time looking to get value from it. It's when you give a dollar away, you expect something in return. You're focused differently. Uh, I used to think, oh, look, I, I, I know some pretty cool people. I can get some free coaching and, and that's all good and I enjoy it. But I can tell you when I've, you know, the last few years as I've paid for coaching, I look at it so much differently and I've gotten so much more out of it because it's been a different intentional relationship that um, I have seen my personal growth, my professional growth. And if you don't have a coach, it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be Michael, but I would recommend you go out and get a coach. And me personally, when I pay for coaching, I want to pay enough where it's painful, right? I want to go, Ooh, that hurt. Ooh, that, Ooh, I'd like to, Ooh, I could probably use that money for something else. If you get to the point where you pay for coaching to it, it, it makes you kind of wince a little bit. You're going to get so much value out of that. And I can tell you, uh, a guy like Michael, uh, that's the kind of coach you want. If you want to know about leadership and about, um, uh, taking your game to the next level, Michael's a guy get on this 20 minute connect call with him. See if there's a good fit, a good match, and potentially go into a 90-minute coaching experience. See if there's a fit. And I'm telling you, it can make a huge difference in your life, not just your professional life and leadership, but also your life because we're people. We work for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, and we don't work for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. And because of that, we are, we are full people who, who have to figure out a way to, to navigate life, relationships, leadership, business in ways that uh, it can help. A coach can help with all of that. So uh, that's great to hear, Michael. I'm glad, um, I'm glad you're having these calls and I'm, I'm ramping up as well and making more proposals and it's okay to get a no, right? That's what I think about. It's, it's yes. you know, I, I don't want to be the cheapest coach out there. 
Uh, I don't want to be the guy who charges, you know, 50 bucks an hour. I mean, there's no value in that to me. I mean, I don't want to pay a guy or a lady 50 bucks an hour because to me, I feel like, well, I'm probably going to get that value. And, and um, how I look at it is, as uh, you know, you get what you pay for you, you, it's an investment into you as a person. It's not a, it's not a, it's, you're not buying a, a round of golf here. You're buying an investment into your future. And, and uh, I'd highly recommend it for everyone out there. Yeah, I, I so agree with that, Stephen. And, and I know for me personally, when I pay money, I also pay attention. Uh, and, to, you know, to your point, when I pay enough that it hurts, well, I pay attention to the point it hurts, right? I mean, I'm, I'm really uh, focused in on that. And so, uh, you know, I think it's just a part of our psychology that that's the case, that when we, when we pay, we pay attention also. So, uh, and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that if, you don't have a coach, then you're not serious about your goal. Um, you, you can't name for me an, an athlete that has achieved anything that doesn't have some type of coach. An individual sport or team sport, either one, it doesn't matter. They have coaches that help them get to that to that kind of level. And if you're serious about your goals, you need a coach to help you get there as well. So I, I completely agree with that as well. And I know Michael and I would love to jump on. If, if you're interested in coaching and you want to know more about it and you want to learn about the power of coaching, Michael and I are both offering complimentary 20 minute connect calls where you can, you can schedule those. I, I they can schedule them with me direct on Calendly. Do you do the same thing, Michael? Same thing. Yep. 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 So there's a link. Um, there's a link. Uh, I, I, do we have our links on our in our Leaderpreneur show show notes? I know we have our we have links to our our resources, those documents yeah. that we're sharing. But then they have to go to uh, Aerospace Leader. Yeah, I'm gonna pull that up. You know what we can do, Michael, is um, put a direct link in the show notes. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the show notes now. Uh, yeah, it just says to email us. What we can do is we can put a, a direct you know, Calendly link to a 20 minute, you know, connect call. That's what we offer in the show notes and people can book it directly without even emailing us. So, um, uh, you know, I'm willing to do that. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm happy to yeah, do no, that. Definitely. I mean, I've got a website, a, a page over on credible leaders where they can go and boom, right, right there on the page, they can schedule it with me. Perfect. So, so we'll yeah, definitely put those links in, in the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah. So take advantage of that folks. Um, get on a call. If nothing else, you get, uh, you get to talk to Michael about basketball and he'll, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it, especially here in March, since I can't <laughs> That's we'll right. talk about it. Yeah. But, but more importantly, if there's, if there's one thing, when I do coaching a 20 minute connect call or, or a 90 minute coaching experience, if there's one insight, if there's one insight that you leave that call that you didn't have when you went into that call, it's been well worth it. Right. If you, so just think about that one insight that you could get. And it, it's this powerful aha moment that, that you don't necessarily expect, but when it happens, you're like, wow, I didn't think of it that way. And there's so much power in that. There certainly is. Certainly is. Yes. You want to, you want to, anything else you want to cover? You want to wrap us up, talk about next week? No, let's, yeah, let's draw it to a close here. So uh, for our call to action, I mean, from a leadership standpoint, you're on, on occasion, you're going to find yourself leading a team that is, at the moment is losing and you need to encourage them and you need to motivate them. And so uh, my challenge to you is don't ignore that, but to jump right in, acknowledge that and take those five steps that we talked about and encourage and motivate your team to, to turn it around and become a winning team. 
And then also for us, uh, on a business standpoint, you can find the show notes uh, for today's episode at leaderpreneurshow.com. Leaderpreneurshow.com is where you'll find all the show notes. And as Steve, uh, Stephen alluded to, we will uh, put links in there where you can get to our coaching calendars and things like that. Those will be in the show notes as well. And as always, for all things Stephen Faust and his leadership development, you can find that at aerospaceleader.com. And then for me, you can find it over at credibleleaders.com, credibleleaders.com. Next week, we're going to come to you with the art of influence. I'm always talking about the definition of of, uh, leadership being influencing others towards a shared goal. We're going to really dig into influence and what is the art of influence and tell you how you can influence people. So uh, I hope you'll join us next week for that as well. Until we speak to you then, from Stephen and I both, be blessed and lead well. Thank you.